Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Prepare for glory. Everyone knows you got your popcorn ready. You got your popcorn ready. I came out the wrong line ready. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only tackle the four-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. What is going on, guys? It is Saturday, October 20th, and I am going to do my college football stuff today like I talked about on yesterday's podcast. Uh, for today's stuff, what I'm going to do is just kind of go over the uh, the top-ranked games over the past two weeks and, of course, what's going on right now. As, uh, as I'm recording, there are games going on. And then I'm going to give you my top five guys at each position looking forward uh, for Dynasty Leagues and Rookie Drafts. Just kind of guys to look at as the season progresses and continues as we're getting kind of in the back half of college football. With uh, with that being said, you know, you've got to start watching these guys get an idea. Uh, you know, again, someone I talked about last year that I was high on, uh, I pop, propped up a lot uh, over the offseason was Philip Lindsay. He was a guy that just by watching his games... And, you know, really, really, really was all about watching him play. I, uh, it's not like I'm a great NFL scout or anything like that. I'm just a guy who, who loves fantasy football, loves college football, just like most of you who are probably listening to this. Uh, but I could just see by watching him play that he, he ran hard. He looked like a good player. And so that's why I pumped him up so much in the offseason and talked about how I thought he could be a legitimate back. Of course, he went undrafted. I wrote some articles about him for a couple sites and, uh, got, got, Took some pretty decent hits on it. You know, a lot of people saying that I didn't know what I was talking about. And I've, I I honestly feel if he does nothing else the rest of the year, I'm pretty vindicated in my my uh, thoughts on him because he's turned out to be exactly what I said he was. He was going to be a more explosive uh, Darren Sproles in his prime, and I feel like he's done that now. That being said, I made some bad calls as well last year. I really thought Ronald Jones was uh, was going to be a huge hit in the NFL this season. I thought he had a chance to be NFL Rookie of the Year. Uh, that's obviously going to be extremely wrong. Uh, I don't even know if he's going to beat out Peyton Barber at any point this year. I still do believe in Ronald Jones, though. Uh, the comp that I gave him back then I think still applies now as Melvin Gordon. He is not someone who's flashy, who's going to get to the outside. Um, or I'm sorry, he will get to the outside, but he's not somebody who is just going to get you five yards of carry and all this. He's a speed runner. Uh, you know, not very great at at breaking tackles, but he can evade tackles. He's very good at being elusive in that part of his game. I really think 
by uh, by next year, he could actually be a breakout candidate in 2019. I, I, I've been on record multiple times saying that I don't think Dirk Cutter is a very good coach. I don't think Tampa Bay is a good team in general, uh, just with the coaching philosophy and all that stuff. I really think that he can break out and, and be what Melvin Gordon is. He'll get you some work. In the receiving game. Now, Gordon gets a lot in the receiving game. That's where he gets kind of bumped up. I mean, more, um, I should say, I see Ronald Jones as more of a runner like Melvin Gordon. He's that guy who's going to get you like 3 5, a carry, something like that, a little below the league average, but he has that speed and ability to break one off and make it worth starting him as an RB2. And that's kind of where I've always stated he was. I never said he was going to be Saquon Barkley or, in my opinion, the next best back in the class was Darius Geis. Uh, and I said that I had those two way ahead of everybody else. And then everybody else was in a category below them. And I did have Ronald Jones at the top with Royce Freeman of that class. Now, I don't think that Royce Freeman uh, has been that bad this year. Obviously, having Philip Lindsay there, in my opinion, has really hurt him. Because a lot of people keep talking about how, well, Royce Freeman hasn't shown anything in the receiving game. If you go back and look at what he did at Oregon and in college, he was actually very good in the receiving game. And I just think with Philip Lindsay there, because he is so much more explosive than Freeman is in the receiving game, and Philip Lindsay does so much damage in that part of the game that Royce Freeman has kind of been limited to a first, second down back. Um, you know, which I honestly didn't expect. Um, I thought wherever he went, they would they would lean on him to be the first through third back, first two third down back. Uh, but it just didn't work out for him. And you know, that's something we couldn't have foreseen. But I still like the guy. I still like his talent. So, with all that being said, we're gonna go ahead now uh, and just kind of talk about the games that happened last week. So obviously, the biggest one was uh, LSU upsetting. Georgia not I don't think anybody saw that coming LSU 13 at the time Georgia number two LSU came in and put a beat down on Georgia 36-16 which really kind of sets up a game in week nine next week where LSU is going to be going up against Alabama this is going to be a huge game I'm sorry, I said week 9, I meant week 10 as when they play, but it's setting up to be a huge game because as of right now, LSU, uh, they haven't kicked off yet, they have a very uh, interesting game against Mississippi State, if they can get by them, they're ranked number 5 now, they're going to likely stay number 5, I don't see them jumping up to four or three unless Clemson loses or uh, Notre Dame who doesn't even play this week, uh, so they can't, I would imagine, fall down Uh, any right now so you've got LSU is likely going to go into being the number five team going up against Alabama in week 10. Tua should be back uh he he is dealing with an injury uh likely is not playing today for Alabama so that should um you know they're playing Tennessee right now actually Jalen Hurts is playing they're up 21 to nothing you know Tua's not coming in Tua's not going to play this week so he's got two weeks to get ready for LSU it's going to be an awesome game. I imagine college game day is going to be there just because that's, to me, just kind of looking at the schedule right now is by far the most interesting matchup. Again, it should be 1-5 and five unless LSU goes down uh, today. Other games going on, or that was really it, though, for Week 7. I'm sorry, I keep jumping around here. Uh, you know, another big win, I think, for me was Texas at Baylor. They won 23-17. to And me, that was kind of a trap game for them. They had... A huge emotional win the week before 
um, against uh, Oklahoma where they kicked that field goal. I remember, uh, for anybody who listened to the podcast where I actually called for that upset, I thought they'd win that. So a huge emotional win over against their most heated rivals in the Red River rivalry. And then to come back and kind of play a Baylor team that's decent, you know, coming off that emotional high to pull off that win I think was huge uh, for them. This week they have... An off week. I mean, this is this really is not a great week for college football. There's a couple good games, and that's really it. Uh, but week nine, they will be going up against a Oklahoma State team that I think they should beat. And they're, I mean, they're at seven now. So as I stated earlier in the year, I felt if they played good, they might have a chance to get into the playoffs. Uh, it's an outside chance at the moment because of the loss to Maryland. Uh, but I think if they win out, they could easily. I mean, and I mean easily get into the playoffs. Really, I think the top four teams have an easy hold on their spots as long as they win out. They're getting in in Baylor. I'm not Baylor. I'm sorry. Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and Notre Dame. But Ohio State has some tough games ahead of them. they got to play a Michigan team that's looked really good after that loss to Notre Dame. Notre Dame has a couple games that, while they're not hard on their schedule, they always play tough. You know, USC, um, they've got, I think it's, Navy, Northwestern, FSU, I believe, are their next three games. Those are not going to be easy games for them. Those are games that they could easily lose. I mean, Ian Brook did not look good back in Week 7 when they were just barely able to beat Pitt 19-14. to So, again, it's there's a lot of tough games coming up. Again, we talked about Alabama, LSU, Clemson has had some pretty scary games right now. They're only up 14-0 on NC State. They've got a couple good games coming up in FSU and then Louisville. Again, two games that while they, they likely won't lose, they could have a chance in losing. So all these teams right out on the outside in Michigan, Texas, and LSU really, in my opinion, all kind of, uh, they, they really just control their destinies right now along with those top four teams. It's a very interesting race kind of going on here. Again, we've got, uh, you know, if you're counting this week, we got seven more games left, guys. So it's going to be... It's going to be an interesting race, and again, this is really when we need to start buckling down and looking at our top prospects. So for today's games going on, I mean, Michigan-Michigan State, I've got it up in the background here. Very good game right now. Michigan, a second and goal, already up 14-7. Looks like they're about to score. Uh, if they handle this game again, they've got a tough matchup against likely an undefeated Ohio State team. Um, at the end of the year. Of course, they have Penn State in a couple weeks. Penn State's tied 7-7 with Indiana right now. And then that's really it. Wisconsin rolled. Iowa rolled. Oklahoma just destroyed TCU. So another good matchup later on. Uh, Obviously, one of the late games on TV, Oregon-Washington State. Ohio State-Purdue, but I don't don't imagine it's going to be a hard game. However, Ohio State at Purdue is their only uh, losing record on the road. Just throwing that out there. I, I don't think Ohio State is going to lose to Purdue. They are a 13-point favorite, uh, but I think it's going to be closer than, than people are giving Purdue credit for. I think it's going to be more of like a, a 6- or 7-point win for the Buckeyes. And again, Oregon-Washington State, um, I guess both of these teams in the Pac-12 technically have a chance to jump up there. Oregon, a, a better shot than Washington State, considering they're ranked 12th, but I think you'd need kind of all-out chaos for that to happen. So that's kind of our, our talk on those guys, uh, the teams that are kind of in it right now uh, with a playoff race and everything, kind of what we're looking forward to. Now I'm going to get into my prospects. Again, I'm just going to give the top five at every position right now because things will change drastically 
throughout the year. Um, my advice to you guys, if you really want to see a little bit of a deeper dive and analysis and stuff like that, would be to follow me on Twitter. Again, I'm, I'm on at SportsFanaticMB. Uh, S capital, everything else is undercase, uh, except for the MB of their capital as well for my initials. Uh, but follow me there. I tweet out all my articles. Um, I write for a couple different sites. I'll be putting my stuff up here, actually going to work on finishing up my first article. Um, that's why I'm talking about it today. Finish up my first one, and I'll put it out on QB list either on Monday or Tuesday. It'll be coming out in the next coming week. And again, it'll be talking about those guys and my feelings on them, what I think. Like I said, I'm, I'm not Matt Miller of CBS or NFL Network or any of these guys who get to see you know, the Todd McShays and and – uh, Mel Kuyper, you know, I don't get to see these guys every day. I'm not paid to do this stuff as much as I wish I was. I mean, I'm paid to write the articles and everything, but not paid to sit around and watch football. Uh, you know, and I've got wife and kids who don't always appreciate. That's what I spend a lot of my time doing. So I really just kind of base my analysis and everything on what I see. I do watch a lot of YouTube highlights and clips as well for games that I don't get to see. Do a lot of reading on these prospects, you know, on a lot of different analysis uh, and analysts that I trust. I don't just go to one person. Uh, I really kind of try to diversify and get as many points on players as I can before I give my full opinion on them. You know, I know a lot of people think that's, you know, not great analysis, but it is what it is. I mean, I would think everybody does that. I would hope everybody does that. I wouldn't listen to just one person unless you truly trust that you think they know what they're doing and all this stuff. So I like to look at everything. Um, I come up with my ranks on my own, though most of the time I have everything done ahead of time, and then that's when I kind of go in, look at stuff. And then I, I might, I won't lie, there are times that people or certain plays I see change my mind on stuff. You know, just to give you guys an example, I still have Justin Herbert, the uh, Oregon quarterback, as my number one quarterback coming out this year. Because uh, I, I just think he's he's awesome at the position. I really think he's going to be the number one quarterback taken. But a lot of people, a lot of people have Ryan Finley at NC State. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of his highlights. I've read what people thought, and they're not changing my mind on that. Like I said, for me, it's just it's going to be uh, Justin Herbert. I, I I can't see myself being changed. And again, maybe that's. Bad analysis as well uh, because I won't let people change my mind or see different viewpoints. And it might change after I see more games of him. But for me so far, he's my number one. And so speaking of him and quarterbacks, I will give you guys now my top five. Again, number one, as I just talked about, Justin Herbert. He's 6'6", 233 pounds, out of Oregon. He's a junior, so he technically does not have to come out this year. But with all the buzz and hype he's getting, I can't imagine he won't. Even if some people don't have him as their number one, I would imagine he's going to be a number one, two, or three for everybody. He's a, He looks to me to be a first-round talent. So I imagine that he's coming out this year, but again, he doesn't have to because he's a junior. And that's just kind of all the all I'm going to say on the juniors. Uh, I'm just going to say that they are a junior. I don't want to have to get in every time with the whole, well, hey, they might not come out because they're junior things. That's just going to get kind of redundant. So again, with that, with Herbert. So right now, he's just got the six games, uh, got about 1,600 yards, or to be exact, 1,631 uh, 63% completed rate and a seven, 17 touchdowns to five interceptions. So again, for me, he's my number one, followed very closely by Drew Locke, who is uh, in Mizzou, 6'4", 225. He's, uh, he is a senior, so you know we've, he's got that going for him, obviously, with the six games, uh, 1,629 yards, 58% completion percentage, and 12 touchdowns with six interceptions. 
Number three for me, I have Jarrett Stidham. Though he has started to slide down a little bit, may not be at three much longer for me. I actually had him at two behind Justin Herbert just a couple weeks ago. In seven games, uh, 1,499 uh, yards, 60% uh, completion percentage, seven touchdowns and four interceptions. He's really struggled. Uh, This Auburn team has really struggled as well. Uh, Then next up, a guy who moved up into the fourth spot for me, Ryan Finley at NC State took over for Will Greer. I had him at number four. Uh, Ryan Finley here, 6'4", 212. Um, I forgot to mention Jarrett Stidham's. I apologize. He is 6'3", 215. Uh, but Ryan Finley, in five games, 1,621 yards, 69% completion rating, 10 touchdowns, 3 interceptions. So that is where... Ryan Finley is getting a lot of his love by NFL scouts and, and analysts who are, are looking at these guys because he's doing so good on his completion percentage. And that is a huge deal. Accuracy of throwing the ball deep, short routes, everything. Um, again, I don't think he has quite the, the rushing ability and everything that Justin Herbert does. I just like Justin Herbert better. But Ryan Finley is, is proving himself right now really kind of come on to prove or is proving to be a very good quarterback and he is a senior as well and then number five for me is is Ben Tough uh, I've been going back and forth between these two guys I'm going to give you both their names they are both seniors and then I'm going to give you who my number five is and it's it's hard for me to admit this because it's it's a tie between Jake Browning who is the Washington senior and Will Greer who is the West Virginia senior I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna give you the stats on both of them, but right now I've got Will Greer as number five, and I've been a big Jake Browning guy for the past couple of years. Uh, I really thought he was gonna come out last year, uh, but Will Greer, six two, two twenty three, in the six games played, he's thrown for nineteen hundred and nineteen yards, a seventy one point four percentage of or completion percentage, twenty two touchdowns, seven interceptions, guys. Now I get it. West Virginia, the wide open offense, the spread offense, they haven't played a lot of great teams up until this point, were undefeated up until last week, where they got just dismantled by Iowa State. That was their best shot, I think, to make it into a a college playoff if they'd have kept playing that way, especially because I know they have a date with Texas here in a couple weeks, but... Will Greer is really interesting to me. I think he's a very versatile quarterback. He can do a lot. Um, If he continues to play the way that he is, I could actually see him jumping up. Now, some people won't like him uh, because he's a little bit more in that air raid offense, uh, the spread offense, although I think NFL offenses are moving very much to college play offenses. So we'll see what he does, though, the rest of the year. And then Jake Browning, again, I I really thought he was going to come out last year. I think it was just because of how loaded that quarterback class was. Um, that he didn't, uh, he didn't, he did kind of fade down the stretch last year. Did not play very good, uh, but he has got seven games played for seventeen hundred and fifty-one yards, a sixty-six percent uh, completion percentage, ten touchdowns, and six interceptions. So again, that's my top technically six quarterbacks. I know I said I'd do top five, but I just those two for me right now are just so close. I really can't can't separate them out. So at running back now, we've got quite a couple guys here. Um, a lot of them very close kind of in their metrics and, and how I rate them. And uh, not not a lot of big guys here. Um, so right now for me, there's only about three guys I think that 
maybe four that you could look at and think, man, these guys could be every down NFL backs. Um, and that is very early to say as well. Uh, th- that could change, obviously, especially with the way that the NFL game is going. Uh, but number one for me right now is uh, Justice Hill out of Oklahoma State. He is a junior. Uh, in seven games, he's got 684 yards, a 6.1 average, and seven touchdowns. Uh, he's 5'10", 190, so I know he's a little small. But I like the way that he runs. He's looked really good. Uh, I, I've got him at my number one only for one reason, and that is because my number two still is Rodney Anderson out of Oklahoma, the junior. Uh, I could see him coming back to school due to the fact that he tore up his knee. He tore his ACL. Uh, he's going to be out. This happened, I believe it was back in week two. I'm going to be out for the rest of the year, but in the two games, well, yeah, I guess I should have looked at my notes, two games. Uh, in his two games, 119 yards, a 10.8 average, and three touchdowns. He was looking awesome at the beginning of the season. Obviously suffered that injury, which just sucked. He was my number one by far and away. Uh, obviously not quite the talent Saquon Barkley was last year, and kind of he was everybody's easy number one last year, but for me, he was easily the easily the number one coming out this year I've still got him up at two just because I think you could easily probably get a steal for him as well and I know it's early to talk about but for in rookie drafts because he's gonna fall down boards because everybody I think is going to kind of uh be worried about him coming back from that oh my goodness I'm sorry I just punched my mic uh uh, be worried about him coming back um off that knee injury unless he just like completely just destroys at the combine which, which is obviously very possible because he, he is a very good athlete. And like I said, I, I thought was easily going to be the best running back in this class. Number three for me is David Montgomery out of Iowa State. He is a junior, 5'11", 216. Uh, right now in the five games played, 523 rushing yards for a 4.7 average and four touchdowns. So been fairly decent. Uh, a lot of people actually have him as their number one uh, just because he's a, a, a decently elusive back. Um, like I said, uh, and he's also decently sized, which I think helps him out a lot as well. Uh, I'm just not as big on him at the moment. Again, I have him as number three, so I'm not trying to trash the guy at all. Uh, I just currently like Justice Hill and Rodney Anderson more than him. Number four, I have Damian Harris, Alabama senior running back, 5'11", 215. Uh, in his seven games, the 423 yards, 6.5 average, and the four touchdowns. And that hurts me to say that because... Alabama has not been able to produce a very good running back in quite a while now. Um, Now, I don't think that he is Derrick Henry or Trent Richardson, but a lot of people are going to think that, obviously. Uh, He's a little bit smaller than them, obviously, 5'11", 215. He reminds me a little bit of Mark Ingram. I think he can play like Mark Ingram, therefore I think he can succeed in the NFL, Uh, but definitely someone that piques my interest. And then number five, I've got the guy everybody thought was going to come out last year, Bryce Love, the senior for Stanford. Uh, smaller guy, 5'10", 202. Uh, in the five games, 348 yards, a four, uh, 4.0 average, and three touchdowns. Um, so Bryce Love has been interesting to me. Uh, a lot of people obviously comparing him to Christian McCaffrey. I don't think he's quite as good at Chris, as Christian McCaffrey, and I think he's getting a little bit of overhype. Um, I have him at five just because, as I said right now, I feel like this is kind of a, a weaker running back class. I think a lot of people were saying that after the class we saw last year, that this would be a much weaker class. I actually think 2019's class could be fairly strong. 
there are a lot of other RBs I like as well coming out this year. You know, Jacquez Patrick out of FSU, Travis Hooper out of or home, sorry, Homer out of Miami, Miles Gaskins out of Washington. Uh, but a lot of these guys, it's just. It's too early to tell if they're going to be better than Bryce Love. And we saw flashes of brilliance from Bryce Love last year. Um, not so much this year, but I think a lot of that too is just to, due to the fact that this team is struggling. At wide receiver, number one, I would think for almost everybody, including myself, is A.J. Brown, the junior out of Mississippi. Uh, he's got 50 receptions for 650 yards, a 13, a 13.0 average, and four touchdowns. Just been awesome, uh, having a great, uh, great year so far. His junior year. I'm sorry, I said Mississippi, Ole Miss. I don't, I don't know what I was thinking. I was looking at the wrong guy there for a second, but he is from Ole Miss. Uh, you know, they're not having quite a great year as a team. I think a lot of people were hoping that they would be better, but AJ Brown has been legit. Number two for me is J.J. Arcigia Whiteside from Stanford. He's a senior, 6'3", 225. He's got 37 receptions for 632 yards, a 17.1 average, and nine touchdowns. Uh, his rookie quarterback, uh, K.J. Costello, has been going to him quite often. He does a very good job of throwing the ball up and letting Whiteside go get it, and he does go get it. He's got great hands. I like the way he's looked. Not a lot of people have him ranked even in their top five, but for me, he's easily the number two. Number three, I have Neil Harry from Arizona State, the junior, or I think that's how you say it, Keel Harry. I'm, I'm honestly not 100% sure how to say the name, uh, but he's 6'4", 213 pounds. He's got 42 receptions for 572 yards, a 136 Average with five touchdowns. I've liked the way that he's played. Um, again, for me, not just with him, I'm going to go ahead and say this for a lot of the, the wide receivers here. Uh, this is going to be a deep wide receiver class. I feel like this is going to be kind of a lot like last year with more upside potential on some of these guys. There's going to be easily, I would say, 10 wide receivers, if not more, probably drafted in this class. Um, I would imagine maybe only two or three I, no, I wouldn't even say three, probably two in the first round, just like last year, and then a bunch coming after that. Uh, but this is a very deep class with a bunch of guys. I would say just on my list alone, I've got about five guys I think that could become wide receiver ones for fantasy. Everybody else kind of in that wide receiver two to three range. Number three for me is uh, is Anthony Johnson, the senior from Buffalo. Uh, having an okay year so far this year, he's 6'2", 210, 20 receptions for 352 yards in five games with a 17.6 average and three touchdowns. Again, I've, I've liked what I've seen from him. I haven't had a chance to see a lot of, uh, a lot of tape on him, a lot of stuff on YouTube or watch the games. I'm not really watching Buffalo Bills. Literally, that's, that's their mascot as well, the Bills, but, uh, or I'm sorry, the Bulls. I'm not really watching their games much, you know, in the mid, mid-American East Conference, do uh, you know what can I say? I've I've read a lot about him. They, there's a lot of talk about how great he is, and and from this little limited highlights I've seen, uh, I have really liked him. And then uh, so five for me, much like the quarterbacks, is a tie. Um, I, I'm going to talk about both of them just because I know a lot of people will think that the guy I'm going to give as my five is probably a homer pick in Paris Campbell. 
He's a wide receiver out of Ohio State. He's senior, 6'1", 208 pounds. Uh, in the seven games, he has 43 receptions, 557 yards, a 13.0 average, and seven touchdowns. He has been awesome, in my opinion. I've really liked the way that he's played this year. I think he's grown a lot having Dwayne Haskins back there throwing him the ball. Last year, he struggled having, uh, really the last two years, struggled to do much with JT Barrett as quarterback because, well, he's just not been, just JT was a much better runner than he was a passer. I felt like he could pass the ball fairly well on the run, uh, but couldn't get the ball deep. And Paris Campbell has really excelled having a guy like Dwayne Haskins, who's a true thrower of the football back there. And I have him tied with uh, Debo Samuel uh, from South Carolina, the Gamecocks. Uh, I've liked what I've seen out of Samuel this year, six foot two ten. He's a senior. In his six games, he's got 33 receptions, 382 yards for 11.6 average and four touchdowns. He is one of those guys that I think um, is really like a possession slot receiver type or could be. Um, I, I like what I've seen from him kind of around the line of scrimmage. I don't see him being much of a, a, a jump ball getter or anything like that. Could be someone uh, who burns down the field. Uh, I, I'll admit to with him, I've only seen various combinations or various replays of him. Uh, so I don't know for sure how fast he is. Um, I, I'm really interested to probably see more of him in the coming weeks and see how good he does against some of these better teams and really kind of try and learn more about him. But he's definitely up there for me. So that is going to do it. Um, for tight ends, uh, there's really not a lot here for me, uh, or at least not a lot of guys that I'm excited about. There's one guy that I really like, and that's Noah Fant from Iowa. The junior, uh, 6'5", 241. He's got 298 yards and six touchdowns in just six games. Uh, but really, other than him, guys, there's nobody. Nobody I like. I, I, I shouldn't say nobody else I like. Caden Smith from Stanford is on my, my radar a little bit, uh, but not sold on him yet. So, you know, like I said, a very weak tight end class. Not that this year's was great, but they did have a lot of depth in it. Some guys, obviously, we were really excited about, much like a couple years ago when we had David and Joku come out. Uh, we'll see uh, if, if that list gets any bigger over the next coming weeks, but those are really the only two I've got my eye on right now for the tight end position. Um, obviously, this class is going to be loaded with defensive prospects. Uh, the defensive... End and line class alone is awesome. I'll just give you guys a couple of the names here. Defensive end, obviously Nick Bosa out of Ohio State. Cleland Farrell out of Clemson. And Brian Burns out of FSU are kind of like the big guys there at defensive end. Defensive tackle, Ed Oliver from Houston. Again, he's he's being talked about with Nick Bosa as like the number one overall pick. Uh, Rashawn Gary out of Michigan, and then Dexter Lawrence out of Clemson as well. And then Draymond Jones out of Ohio State as well. I mean, the, this this class is going to be loaded with defensive prospects. And once uh, once we get closer to the end of the year, I'll talk about those. I don't have quite the IDP knowledge as some others do. I, 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 I do much more listening to other people and reading up on IDP players than uh, – uh, just because I feel like I don't have the knowledge I do of, of the other players, uh, offensive guys that I'm really paying attention to. So with those guys, though, like I said, once we get closer to the end of the year, I'll do kind of like talk about all my prospects and I'll include some IDP guys that I really like. But I'd like to get some opinions of some guys that I really trust who who do more IDP research and everything than I do to kind of make sure that I'm giving you guys some good information. 
So that is going to do it for me today. Just giving you guys, like I said, talk on some of the big college games that happen or where the rankings have fallen and then where my top five guys are at each position. Uh, Hopefully next week I'll have uh, some of my stuff with my regular job kind of taken care of and I can focus more on doing this on Thursday so that you guys can get this information before the college football games. That's really when I like to do that stuff. So again, guys, thanks for listening to the Fantasy Roundtable podcast on Saturday, October 20th, or whenever you guys listen to it. I'm sure you guys are busy watching football today and doing stuff and getting ready for NFL Sundays. Just got a couple news hits across my my phone here in case you guys do listen to this today or Sunday morning. Looks like Gronk did not travel to Chicago. That's big. means he's probably not going to play. And then Melvin Gordon has been downgraded. He is questionable now with his hamstring. He might be out as well. They did sign... Uh, the new guy, uh, De- Detrez Newsom, so that to me kind of signals that Melvin Gordon is going to be out. So if you've got those Austin Eckler shares, throw them in there because I think he's going to have a big week this week. Other than that, I will talk to you guys again on Monday. Have your guys a have yourself a great weekend. Hope you guys enjoy all the football on the rest of today and tomorrow. And I'll see you guys and talk to you later. Peace. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your pop on there. Who can make a play?